Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optic Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Rosaria Butterfield, and um, we're doing a little bit of an interview today talking about her new book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Rosaria is an author. She's a pastor's wife. She's a homeschool mom. She's a previously was a English and women's studies professor at Syracuse. Mm -hmm. She has her PhD from Ohio State. Um, So the people who listen to this podcast, a lot of them go to UW or have gone to UW. So maybe they'll just turn it off right now and and listen through the rest of it. But but Rosaria, thanks for coming on the podcast and and doing this. This is going to be fun. Thanks, Andy. Well, if they don't turn off the podcast based on where I went to school, I'll bet yeah. I'll say something. I just have a yeah. sneaky feeling I might say oh, something. <laughs> to- totally, which is what we love. I love that. Okay, so, great. Um, it, you know, so, okay, this book, Five Lies of, of Our Anti-Christian Age, I, th- I told you before we started recording, but this has been one of the books in the last couple of years that when I started reading it, I, li- I like just couldn't put it down. And one of the reasons for that, and this might be due to my personality, but I think it's actually something deeper, uh, is that... I know I grew up in this postmodern age where every uh, every conversation and every question that I had that I wanted a thorough answer for actually was much too complex and nuanced for anybody to possibly understand. And so nobody could ever know anything. And so if you ask questions about anything, the answer was, well, it's just very nuanced and complex and you probably, you know, we should just be okay with not knowing it. It's just, it's and, and I'm like, that drove me out of Christianity. And so the, one of the reasons why I couldn't put mm. this book down was because in the first, in the introduction of the book, you, it felt like you were just like going crazy. You're just, you were just saying so many forthright things. And I was like, okay, is she trying to get like, like, does she like, you know, want people to hate her or something? But it was very clarifying for me reading it. I was like, oh my goodness, somebody's saying yeah. things. She's yeah. saying things definitively. Right. And so, right. Wh- why did you do that? I mean, let's just start there. Right. Why did you pick this tone? Right, right, right. Well, that's a great conversation. And and, and, and I mean, I am an Italian grandma. So my tone of voice, like if, there, if there's a kid in the street and there's a car coming, I'm not going to text something to his phone mm. or to his mother. I'm mm-hmm. going to open the window and scream because mm-hmm. that's what that's what the women in my world do. And I, so, I mean, I would say this is the tone of a loving older mother or grandmother who um, sees her fingerprints, that would be mine, all over this nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I am now saying it's time to stop. We need mm-hmm. to see clearly where we are and we need to understand how we got here. And the mm-hmm. other reason is... Um, uh, you know, the I wrote the book in part because a lot of moms and grandmas and, you know, aunts and cousins and sisters would write to my website and say, why did the world go mad? Um, mm. If Christ is not divided, why are we? Um, my, we're told we need to major on the majors, but we can't even agree about what the majors are. And right. so I'm, you know, I just sat down and thought about it. And I really came up with three reasons why the church is divided, which mm. have produced five lies that the world has always believed, but that the Mm -hmm. church now believes. And I'd say the biggest issue is the church is naive. And, um, you know, I'm an old professor. I'm used to talking to people forthrightly. I don't Mm -hmm. talk to people like you can't put two, you know, string two ideas together. Mm -hmm. So I'm presuming that you can hang on to to this. But um, what the church is so naive about is that the LGBTQ plus um, movement 
um, and the people who are themselves trapped in it are not merely a category of sin, indwelling, maybe unchosen, maybe as a as a response to sexual abuse, all of that. It isn't a personal issue. It is, it is, but it is also the idol of our day. And Christians need to figure out how to deal with idols who themselves represent sin patterns that have become social justice movements within the church. Mm. I'm confident that if the Lord tarries and you know, looks, we look back on these days, we will be standing in the infamy of Moloch. So mm-hmm. my tone is the tone of a serious grandmother who would like to have a word with you, young man. And um, I have been told uh, by some people that I'm not connecting with young people, but based mm-hmm. on the mail I get, I think I'm connecting. I'm connecting the way the spanking spoon connected with your raw behind maybe, but I'm definitely connecting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. three reasons, five lies. The church needs to know what time it is and Christians need to grow up and get a grip. Mm-hmm. And I want to give people a little context. You, you uh, for people who don't know, you used to be a oh, lesbian. Yeah. I mean, you I were was practicing. a lesbian activist, professor, mm-hmm. hired, mentored, tenured at Syracuse University in part to mm-hmm. make uh, lesbianism look wholesome. I testified mm-hmm. before the legislature. I wrote policy that became the forerunner for um, for gay marriage and other things. And I did all of this because I thought I was gay and I thought gay was good. And mm-hmm. so the book begins with my repentance, mm-hmm. public, yeah, right, right out there. Right. Don't you know? If you don't want to believe, you know, you yeah. you might not want to follow what I'm doing because I can make a mess of things faster than anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Okay. So as we talk about the LGBTQ plus movement, I feel like mm-hmm. you have to break this down. Okay. Obviously, because each letter means something different. But, and I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. People say it's the Portland of the Midwest. We are kind of sometimes years ahead of other places when it comes to progressive ideology and philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've produced some of the worst philosophies uh, when it comes to this stuff. And so for me, I look at you writing this book. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. It's very clarifying. But I'm like, well, maybe this was like 10 years too late because it felt like as far as the lesbian gay thing goes, as far as sexual orientation and the conversation around homosexual orientation, it seems like the church in in Madison, the church that I know, has already lost that battle. Why did you think that right now was the time to write this? Now, I know that that's not all of what you talk about, but yeah, talk a little yeah, bit yeah. about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that's a really good observation. Here's my concern. I'm writing to the church. It, this is not mm-hmm. an apologetics book. I'm not writing because I'm trying to convince an unbeliever about anything. Uh, I'm pretty bad at that. I'm writing mm-hmm. to the church so that you can have a trail guide to understand how we got here. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that the letters LGBTQ plus blah, 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 and the 78 gender pronouns that you can add mm-hmm. to that all toppled on top of a alphabet with 26 letters, go work that right. out is, right. um, you know, that, but, but here's the thing. They all connect in one philosophical um, category mistake. And the category mistake has to do with anthropology. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So we are talking about um, that it, being made in the image of God is what every mm. human being on planet earth 
mm-hmm. has as his or her identity. It's Genesis one twenty seven that you are mm-hmm. made in the image of God as male or female, and you are made creationally. So God is mm-hmm. not some kind of mad engineer that builds a bridge to nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the who, that's the ontological who of mm-hmm. humanity. Is it marred in some people? You bet. In fact, the job of all human beings is to grow in the knowledge, the righteousness, and the holiness of God. Mm. Gay rights activists have somehow been able to convince, quote unquote, side B gay Christians and their Mm. parachurch hirelings that love to follow them. I'm thinking now of Preston Sprinkle, Crew. Right. Now, let me tell you. Oh, let me. I'm sorry. Let me tell you why I name names. That's I'm totally an, fine. I love that. I I was I, was, I thought you were not going to do it, and I was going to ask you for well, specifics. Anyways. No, I'm an English professor. It's called citing mm-hmm. your sources. Right. So it, that's all this is. This is so if yeah. it, you know we're citing our sources because right. ideas come from somewhere, and mm-hmm. we need to understand that. So absolutely, um, absolutely. But but you cannot be made in the image of God as a gay person or as a trans person or as anything else because gay and mm-hmm. trans are violations of the creation ordinance. Their rebellion mm-hmm. against God's created order, they come from, from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So mm-hmm. anybody who can tries to tell you, oh, you know, here's my, uh, here's they, my trans asterisk yeah, right. best friend who leads me to cry. You're just like, whoa, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid already, Preston. I'm sorry. Right, like, right. like, just go sell insurance, but get off mm-hmm. this Mm-hmm. This platform. So, so what we need to know is that this is fundamentally an anthropological question. Mm-hmm. This question of does original sin or its you know component parts does sin determine who I am or how I feel, and that mm-hmm. will have that'll have total bearing on this question and where we go with it. But p- part of why I think we need to start there is this. Um, this I, this LGBTQ plus idolatry all works from the anthropological mistake that says mm-hmm. sex and gender are different things. Mm-hmm. That comes from a kind of dearly held feminist cherished tradition that having been born creationally female with the capacity to bear children certainly should not mean that I should be tied to that in any way. Um, mm-hmm. And so the idea is that your sex is one thing um, and your gender is is kind of limitless. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I'm called to be an astronaut. Maybe I'm called to be a warrior queen. You know, um, yeah. and I'm sorry, but really, you know, <laughs> the way it started was that it was uh, really a, a uh, an attack against. Uh, uh, progeny and patriarchy, babies mm. and men. And what's, yeah, right, fa- right, right. what's fascinating is it comes full circle with transgenderism mm. because transgenderism unhitches sex from gender, says sex doesn't matter at all. It's, it's not mm. real. You're assigned it. It's like, it's a, it's a social creation. Um, yeah, right. what you have is gender. That's real. That's my identity. That's mm. who I am. And so what you see is this feminist desire to go full scale out on men and babies has produced a really interesting form of patriarchy. It mm. basically goes like this. If you don't like biblical patriarchy, how do you like patriarchy when it comes with men in skirts gyrating in front of five-year-olds? Mm-hmm. What do you think of transgender patriarchy, in other words? Because mm. there's a reality of men being in charge and, and mm. being leaders in a world. But do yeah. you want that leadership to be unhinged from a godly biblical paradigm um, mm. 
or, or do you mm-hmm. want it deeply connected and rooted in the church uh, mm-hmm. and then therefore blessing the world? So, you know, those things are all connected. Now, I understand mm-hmm. that is not how people who are trapped in this particular movement would feel. That was not how I felt 30 years ago. But we as Christians can actually observe this from an intellectual perspective and see mm-hmm. how this is working. In other words, the problem is right before our very eyes, church. Do you have eyes to see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people kind of, we, we, we live in a sinful world. And so a lot of the hierarchies that we exist within are uh, corrupted and oftentimes tyrannical. And so what right. we do is we equate hierarchy with tyranny rather than saying, okay, hierarchy is a natural occurrence. It happens no matter what, regardless of uh, of if we like it or not, or if we have an egalitarian worldview or whatever, you know, and this is one of the things that Jordan Peterson has really helped people understand is that hierarchy mm-hmm. exists. You right. can't do anything about that. And so the question right. is, how do we exist within a hierarchy? Not right. does it exist? And so right. oftentimes, right, the Marxist answer is, well, just take over the hierarchy and become your own tyrant, <laughs> like become the tyrant of all other people. And I think that that's what my generation has subscribed to uh, without knowing it, they, they mm-hmm. use different words to explain mm-hmm. everything. Uh, but that's essentially what we're doing. And I think, and so I think it's important for people to recognize that, that hierarchy and tyranny aren't the same thing, but they certainly can quickly become in, intertwined, right? And, and we see that all the time as people in this world. Right. Absolutely. Choose this day what Lord you will follow. Yeah. Because right. that will exactly. ultimately determine whether this is a kind of yeah. godly hierarchy mm-hmm. made for the um, you know, for the equipping of the church and the mm-hmm. blessing of of her people or mm-hmm. or tyranny, godless tyranny. Yeah. Right. And okay, so I want to talk a little bit about that question of anthropology because it actually is something that I've been thinking about and I I know there's been this question for my whole life. Can you be born gay or not? I mean, that was, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I remember talking, people talking about that a lot, maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago when I was a kid. And are you born gay or is it a choice? And I think most people settled on, well, you're just born gay. And I don't know why they did. I was a kid when they settled on that and I didn't have a say in that. (laughs) But uh, um, that kind of feels like that's where everybody kind of settles. Now, it is an interesting question though, because when we talk about uh, sin, we know that we are all sinners from birth. And so the question right. of how does being created within the image of God interact with the corruption of sin that is inher- inherit we, that we inherit? Do you, Absolutely. Do you want to give some great, clarity to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great, great question. And in fact, that really does explain um, a, an important um, doctrinal division in mm. this question that those of us mm. who have a dog in this race want to talk about. And that yeah, doctrinal right. division is organized by the word concupiscence. But let me get to the anthropology okay. question first. Yes, we are all born in sin. We are born in Adam, um, which interestingly enough is also a good explanation for why we know the seeds of the gospel are in the garden, because quite frankly, mm. no Adam, no Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, and and but anyway, that's but we are born, uh, we are born in Adam, and therefore we suffer from two. Uh, we both we suffer from uh, the fallenness of our body, 
uh, our physical, you know, corruption. Um, right. uh, you know, my ears are going, my eyes are going. The just right. the, the 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 aging process, also the dis, the, the reality of disabilities, born blind, mm. those kinds of things. Those are not moral statements. Those are those are in fact physical examples of the of the fall. It's the result of of the sin of Adam, but it mm. is no no result of the person's sin. That's mm. that's. Mm. Part of that's not a moral category, but if your sin pattern is um, homosexual, or list any number of other issues yeah. as well, but let's go with homosexual because that is the idol of our day. So it has a yeah, different right, kind of right. imperative to it. So, so if that if you are bo- literally, you can just you can't remember a time when you didn't desire that which God hates. Okay, you that is that is your issue. Um, that is not a physical fallenness. That is a moral fallenness, because mm. that is a that is called concupiscence, and that mm. is in fact what you're going to see in Romans seven when Paul, with great anguish, says, "Why do I do what I don't want to do? Yeah, right, it is right. the law of sin in me." Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about. The reality of being human with a moral fallenness and what God Mm. says clearly you need to do with your moral fallenness is mortify it. Mm. So so the side B gay Christian movement, um, the anti-concupiscence movement would say, no, 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 I tried to pray the gay away Mm. and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and and God never answered my prayers. And so... Mm. This is who I am, and now I'm going to settle into myself and do the very best I can. Um, if you're Andy Stanley, maybe you know you'll say, "Well, get married, settle down, just don't be too excessive in your sin." Mm. Um, if you're, uh, you know, Greg Coles, well, just be celibate. Being celibate, according to the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, is a mm. higher order anyway. Right. You know, but if you're a Reformed Christian, and I would say that means a biblical Christian, you would say, "Wait a second. Mm-hmm. God never said to pray the sin away. God said to repent of the sin, mm-hmm. to repent of it, to mortify it, to deal with it, to kill it at its most embryonic phase and to keep killing it. But while you're doing that, you're a member of a church, you're growing in Christ you're enjoying the means of grace that God gives you. This is presuming you're a believer. I'm talking about the yeah, believer right, right. who is who is who is saying, "I didn't choose this." No, mm-hmm. but it is your responsibility. So so the question is, does homosexual desire make me a sinner first and then a sufferer, mm-hmm. or does it make me a sufferer first and then a sinner? The biblical answer is it makes me a sinner first. I'm responsible for my sin in Adam. Adam imputed, it's mine. It's not Adam's. I can't just like, you know, the devil made me do it. Adam made me do it. And so this might seem like we're getting in the weeds right away, but I think this is a really key issue. And you know what? It was really important for me. Like I'm not speaking right now. This is not theoretical. This is Rosaria who came to Christ because I believed that Jesus is who he says he is and that Mm. that would be true whether I believed in him or not. The resurrection, the resurrected Christ was true. I was going to either be on that train or not. 
But I did wonder, Lord, what are you going to do with my persistent lesbian feelings? Like, you know, what, I mean, I understand having read scripture that that's not who I am, but it is certainly very, a very persistent part of how I feel. So mm-hmm. how, what am I supposed to do? And mm-hmm. I learned the, uh, that I needed to, I needed to learn how to hate my sin without hating myself. And so even when Paul says, why do I do what I don't want to do? It is not me. It is the law of sin in me. He is showing you, giving us a roadmap of how to hate our sin without hating ourselves. Hmm. It does feel like our original sin functions like a law. It's got a battery. It's got a, you know, it's hmm. got a king and a queen and a, you know, and an advisory hmm. council. Yeah. Right. But we've got to kill it. So that this was one of the most clarifying things that you wrote in the book that I've had to think about for a couple of weeks because you, t- I mean, essentially the idea that somebody, that somebody's uh, homosexuality is a part of their, the creation ordinance or something like that. It's a part of who they are uh, naturally. It does. I had to think about this because I hadn't thought about it. It upends the entirety of the gospel in the sense that Jesus, like to say that, that, okay, I tried to stop being gay and I can't. Well, it says that Christ is not powerful over that sin and therefore Christ's death and resurrection doesn't mean anything. And that's right. And so, and so, you know, I, I know people might think that I, whatever, I'm going to take this too far, but I I want, (laughs) I, what does that mean for those people? Because right. there's people who keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. What right. they're saying is Christ isn't powerful. His His resurrection is not powerful enough f- to kill my sin. Now, I know what yeah. that means for them internally. means that I actually don't want to, even though that they don't, they might right. not know that consciously, but certainly subconsciously they don't want to because they would right. hold on to the sin. But what does that mean for them salvifically? And that's a yeah, big question. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, the great news is, um, you know, we cannot lose our salvation. Right. I mean, look at somebody like Lot is a great example of, I think, the modern everyday evangelical Mm -hmm. Lot. He just wants to be a soft presence over there in Sodom, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And you'd think the Gospel Coalition has taken their cues like, oh, hey, let's do that. Now, now, truthfully, Lot is a saved man. We learn that in Peter. Mm. Okay, so he did not lose his salvation, but you know what? He lost everything else. Hmm. And Hmm. so that's why this is really important. We want to be victorious Christians, and it is a lie from the pit of hell uh, itself to say that God can move mountains, he can cure my cancer, he can, uh, you know, he can can redeem uh, the broken marriage of my neighbors across the street, but hey, my feelings... Yeah, right. God can't change those. And it and it speaks to what Carl Truman talks about in his book about uh, what it means to live in an age of expressive individualism. Yeah. It's a little yeah. monster inside of us. And mm-hmm. we somehow we believe with this rigid uh exactitude that mm-hmm. our feelings are just they're 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 immutable. And I think mm-hmm. that really shows uh, idolatry because mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, immutability is an attribute of God. And, you know, one of the things we have to realize is Christian, in order to fight a battle, you need to know what time it is 
and where the where the fire's coming from. Okay, we we can't be just generalists about our war with sin. And so we currently live in an age where all three exchanges from Romans 1, the exchange of God for idolatry, the exchange of truth yeah. for lies, and the exchange of homosexual of heterosexuality for homosexuality, they've all been codified in civil law, specifically in the Obergefell decision in 2015, the Bostock decision in 2020, and the dignitary harm clause, which redefined harm from denying people who live as uh, gay or lesbian people in this world from material things like job loss, mm. from mm -hmm. denying them affirmation of their LGBTQ plus identity. And that's why people lose jobs for not using pronouns. You mm -hmm. see, this is no longer a matter of vocabulary. Like, oh, you know, Rosaria doesn't like to use, um, you know, um, I don't know, leftist ideology, Marxist vocabulary. Mm -hmm. But hey, Preston Sprinkle does. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I say tomato, you say tomato. What's the difference? Well, mm -hmm. the difference is we're not talking about vocabulary. Where you can, you can choose. You have a, I have a number of thesauruses on my desk. I can choose. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ideology, and it's now codified in law. Mm -hmm. And so, if you really want to have compassion on people who are trapped within LGBTQ plus on all of that, you need to not be a soft presence. You need to throw them a rope. You need to do to them what the pastor in my life did to me, sit me down at his table 500 times and share mm. the gospel. And he told me clearly that he accepted me as a lesbian. He just didn't approve. Mm -hmm. But sin does make more work for us. And so if you had met me 30 years ago, you would have noticed something different about me. Um, um, I, you know, I was a... I was a jock. Um, and even without lifting weights, I was quite built, you know, like it mm. just kind of looked like I had more testosterone than most women. Mm. And when okay. you look at, you know, when I looked at, this was the nineties and this was New York. And I, you know, a lot of the gay men I knew, they were really good at art and, and literature mm. and, and they were more gentle than I am, than I was. And so yeah, we right. look at these things and we, we, you know, we can't just deny that there's some kind of hormonal thing going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but as Christopher Yuan says, both in his book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, but also the, his marvelous curriculum that he's done based on that book, um, that doesn't determine who you are, but it does give you something to think about. Yeah, it does right. give you something to ponder. And the same is true with transgenderism. Do we know that people, some, a very small percentage, but that a, a percentage of people are born intersexed? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, do we know that um, some people are born with a, or some people have, whether they're born with it or they develop it, an extreme mm -hmm. phobia about their secondary sexual characteristics and genitalia that's likened to anorexia? They have a body dysphoria. And, mm -hmm. and do we see that in a kind of medical paradigm? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. But these are anomalies. And in no part yeah. in the universe, apart from like post-2015, has a medical anomaly been asked to renorm the norm. Mm -hmm. Now, we're Christians. Well, the we don't throw people away. We want to deal with yeah. them right there. 
But right. there is no, it is, it is barbaric to think that if you have a child mm-hmm. with gender anxiety, that child needs a sticker and a parade mm-hmm. along with castration, well, you know, insane. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what a lot of people don't, a lot of Christians don't understand is that actually, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I know you've talked a lot about social media, but what, what has perpetuated the, uh, minority, let's just say, uh, gen- somebody who's actually has gender dysphoria or, and one of mm-hmm. one, another big one is, um, a lot of people will say that they're anxious. So mm-hmm. anxiety and gender dysphoria became tr- trends essentially right. because people of my generation recognize that they could gra- gain social credit by just saying, Hey, I, I have, uh, you know, I'm LGBTQ or I have anxiety. So now everybody says that they have these things when they absolutely don't. But that means that we can't actually figure out who does have these things. That's and right. then we're not able to help those people either. That's right. So it's an entire mess. But this wouldn't have happened. Maybe it would have in some way. But I think that the social media has totally perpetuated this problem because now it's just convoluted everything. You can't figure out who's who yeah. or what's what. Yeah. I want to push back a little bit on that. Yeah, um, go ahead. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's a, mo- like, I don't think anybody got up in the morning and said, you know, I just want to ruin my life. <laughs> I, today I'm choosing to ruin my life. I think what, mm. what we saw, and this is again, connecting to what Carl Truman does in his book, what we saw is that there was a movement afoot. It started about 30 years ago. Um, and actually, it started in the 19th century with Freud, but we only have a 45-minute podcast, so we're not going to get far that far. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, this idea that um, the very best thing you can do for somebody is to empathize. Yeah, to stand yeah, in their right. shoes. And so so 30 years ago, we said, look, we need allies. We in the gay rights movement need allies. We, we, need, we mm. need heterosexual people who are just willing to say, look, let's just leave consenting adults alone. Mm. And the problem is this empathy thing went way too far. And Joe Rigney talks yeah. a lot about this in a very helpful way. It's not that it's not that there's never a good time to stand in somebody's shoes. But one of the things that the whole paradigm of empathy does is it says solving problems is tyrannical mansplaining and you can't do, we don't want to solve problems, but, but you know what? Sometimes we need to solve problems. If I'm drowning in a river, don't jump in and stand in my shoes. Stand on dry ground and throw me a rope. That's what the gospel does. So I think everybody in your generation, and, and you know, I had a, a situation a few uh, few years ago where one of the little girls, you know, on, on the street, you know, Mrs. Butterfield, my mom sent me to you. Um, is it true that uh, 70% of my seventh grade class is bisexual? Uh, no, Susie, it's not true. But it is true that 70% of your seventh grade class wants to be an ally. Well, mm. as soon as you enlist people as allies, one of the things you can't do is you can't keep the wolves out of the pack. And the mm. allies of 30 years ago are the groomers of the new mm. invention of the trans child, which mm-hmm. as Christopher Rufo has pointed out, is just an invention of an evil age, doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. And so I think that's what that's really what happened is that that empathy became the only solution we have. And then actually we just have no solutions. And you really you see think- this at oh, school board sorry. meetings where, you know, yeah. I mean, I go to school board meetings and do my little three minute spiel about transgenderism mm-hmm. and parents' rights and you know, mm-hmm. and I invite people over for dinner afterwards. I'm not kidding yeah. you. And people come. Because, yeah, I mean, I, th- you know, right. like this is serious. You got to go where yeah. it's hot. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, I mean, we don't, 
have to go into this, but I, th- I think I've said it on this podcast before. I don't actually think reforming the public school system is actually going to help anything. I think you need to abolish the public school system. I agree. I agree. And you know, so, uh, my friend Andrew work, Branch work, and work I just recently wrote an article about if we don't send our kids to public schools, why do we go to school board meetings? Because we, we needed to mm. explain that because um, we believe in the mediatorial kingship of Christ, we in our yeah, denomination. Right, right, so, right. so you got to mm. call your neighbors to repent of their mm. personal sin, but you've got to call mm. your school board to repent yeah. of the sin of its office. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm not. Yeah. People yeah. should absolutely be fighting those fights. It's really good. And these are kids' lives on the line. And we know yeah. what Jesus said about people who lead kids astray, right? Right. Yeah. So that's not good. Right. Yeah. And so one of the cool things in the book, it, was your pastor's name Kent? No, my husband's name is Kent with Kent. a T. And okay. my pastor's and name was Ken without a Ken. T. Okay. Ken right. Smith. Yeah. I know. It just really guys I know. Yes. Uh, uh, so his approach, I think a lot of young people and a lot of millennials and Gen Zers would be like, hey, that is not the approach you want to go with. Because he essentially just gave you point blank period. Here's what the Bible says. This is kind of a, you know, the full story of the Bible. And this is why you're a sinner. He just kind of laid it all out for you from the beginning to the end. And he wasn't trying to, you know, play games with words or wasn't trying to bait and switch. He was just being clear with you and trying to get you to recognize that there's a different way of looking at at the world, and this is how I look at the world. And so, uh, what do you say to people who say, "Well, that's just not a good way of 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 changing someone's mind"? I mean, right, right, right. Well, first your of mind. all, Ken was answering my question. So mm-hmm. I was a tenured professor at a research uh, yeah. university. I wasn't going to cry at the idea that people <laughs> didn't agree with me on things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so I, I wasn't part of the generation that really believed that my feelings mattered. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, he was answering my question. My question was, why do people like you not believe people like me should be left alone in the privacy of our lives to do whatever we want? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to evangelize? Why can't you just have a nice little private Christian faith? Mm-hmm. Why? And so what and and also we were friends. Like so and I this speaks to what it means to get off social media mm-hmm. and you know yeah. peel some potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh you know put them in a pot. Uh you know learn how to cook, mm-hmm. open right. the door. And make sure that your, uh, you know, in some ways, it, our relationship was easily as strong as his words. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's a deficit of relationship building, real relationship building, because everybody's too much of a snowflake to get close mm-hmm. to each other. You know, mm-hmm. when did we start to think that disagreement was an attack? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I think. I think where everybody thinks the same, nobody thinks very much. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if I if I go through a day and people don't disagree with me, I you know I wonder if I am I did I wake up to today? Am I am I you know <laughs> this is crazy? Yeah, so, right. so something you know, weirds going on. Something weirds going on. But but I do think that social media and I and I know this because some of the young people that have wanted to come with me to school board meetings and just, you know, kind of like, how do you do it? I teach in a homeschool co-op. It's a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. If I ran the field trip program, you'd all be speaking at public school board meetings, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like we yeah, wouldn't be going yeah. to Jamestown kids. You just have yeah, to, you know, yeah. uh, make sure you've yeah. got cash on hand just in case. Yeah, um, right, right. But, um, I, you know, I, 
what I do see is that people who are so busy sparring on social media mm. are the easiest people to scare in real yeah, life. Right. I mean, nothing's right. scary. I, at least I don't think anything scary happens at school merit mm. meetings. I speak for three minutes and everybody cries. Well, I'm a homeschool mom. I walk into a, my homeschool room and I speak for three minutes and everybody cries too. So I don't know, like what, what's the difference? Right, right, right. No, yeah. I mean, I mean like, why is this a, why don't, get a grip, people. It's yeah, okay. I, I do. No, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. And I, I think that, you know, but I've struggled in my right. generation big time with making yeah. friends, with feeling like I can even fit into the church because- and and in my personality type, you know, I, I know I don't know if you like the personality type stuff, but my I'm like as straightforward as somebody could be. You know, my <laughs> wife and I took the Jordan Peterson marriage thing, and I was zero percentile in agreeableness, and like <laughs> like I'm just the worst person, you know. So so to people in my generation, you know, I'm automatically a jerk. And so I, I listen to you and I'm like, absolutely, everybody should just be absolutely clear about what they think and not think about how people feel. But man, like that uh, pe people can't handle that. Now, I think the millennials are more so. I've seen with the Gen Zers, a lot of them are actually really looking for guidance and they actually yeah. don't want somebody to give them a bunch of like uh, bullcrap nuance. Mm -hmm. They want somebody right. to say, hey, I love you enough to tell you a very explicit answer here. Right. And so right. Right. I don't know how to deal with the millennials. I haven't yeah. figured that out, but you know. Yep. And I would add to that, you know, that's where it's the both and, even even doctrinally, mm -hmm. you know, you mortify mm -hmm. your sin and you vivify your life in Christ. So mm -hmm. you 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 have a hard conversation with somebody and you and you invite them over for dinner. And mm -hmm. you build a church community yeah. that genuinely cares for people right where they are. Um, and so I, I think it is a both and where we're, we are yeah. embodied people, um, but not in the way that the LGBTQ movement wants us to think that we are. And so it is it is high barbarian by barbarianism and um, profound lack of love to lie to people. Now, yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. you have to say everything that comes to your mind in a given day, but that's the problem with social media. That's what yeah. people tend to do. Um, yeah, right. But, you know, build strong relationships um, yeah. I, and, you know, and, and, and don't be afraid of uh, the fact that people disagree with you. I mean, I, as I said, we, you yeah, know, we right. speak, we speak before the school board and we have experienced that every stereotype on YouTube is true. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. true, um, you right. know, and. One of the school board meetings, you know, concluded with a, 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 a licensed school teacher in my area standing before the microphone and literally screaming mm -hmm. like that's it mm -hmm. screamed. And, and, you know, I caught up with her afterwards. Like, like not saying words. You're yeah, just well, saying she screaming? concluded her final words were, you know, an apology that, that the oh, yeah. people who supported the, the law were white, articulate and educated. Yeah. And, you know, where right. were the black trans Christians who could, you know. Yeah. You know. But so I caught up with her afterwards. <laughs> they don't exist. I know. I know. That's what I, you know, I caught, I caught up with her afterwards. I scribbled my phone number on a, you know, a little chiclets wrapper. I handed it to her. Mm. I said, look. I can't understand screaming, but if you want to use your words, I would love to hear what's on your heart. Mm. And mm. later I got in the car and my 20 year old son was my bodyguard. And he said, um, mom, the last time you told me to use my words, <laughs> I was four. Yeah. And yeah. see, this speaks to the general principle about sin. Sin infantilizes people. 
So that's all the more reasons for Christians to grow in Christ mm. because the it's it's almost like we've got a world of kindergartners here who can't yeah, you know orchestrate right. a trip to the toilet and you mm. joining them in their emotional trauma mm. is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, get well, a grip. what's the what's what's the path forward? What's your advice to churches? I mean, I I'm here there's churches in my city, and I go to a very conservative church. Well, I think they're conservative. So I'm beginning to wonder. But the, the when I've had conversations with people at my church who talk about this whole gender hospitable thing, and, and you know what that is, and it's it, for people listening, it's the idea that, that you know it's in Christian, it's in churches mostly that you should be gender hospitable. You should call people by their preferred pronouns because that's what it means to love somebody. And if you love them, you you can bring them in and then you can share the gospel with them, right, you know, right. because Jesus constantly was lying to people before he shared the gospel <laughs> with them. And so, I, but I've, I mean, at my church, I've talked to people and they've, and they've been like, yeah, you should just call them by what they want to get called. It's no big deal. And it's like, well, yeah. Well, actually, that is a big deal. Yeah, but what's yeah. your what do you say to that? And as far as a vision forward for the church, yeah, what absolutely. We do? I mean, part of re- the writing of Five Lies was to help people see where we are, and then use that to have a good mm-hmm. strategy for sharing the gospel in a hostile world. We are no longer in neutral mm-hmm. world, as Aaron Wren says. So we need mm-hmm. to realize that. But what I would say is this. Um, uh, and even even um, oh, uh, Marian Grossman in her book Lost in Translation said this. Um, you know, she said if if you you asked her twenty years ago to use somebody's pronouns and fake name, of course she'd do it. She's a psychotherapist. She's not trying to agitate a person with comorbidities. Mm. <laughs> you know, but she said sure. I won't do it today because mm. today that puts me on a path that put that puts that person on a path to mutilate their bodies. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's called social transitioning. So what what using somebody's pronouns pronouns are is an example of social transitioning. You're giving them a social bubble, a social experience where they can see themselves uh, as a man or as a woman in in a, in a cross sex sort of way. Mm. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I struggled with this. I had to come out last year and write an article that repented of all the times I have used transgender pronouns as a mm. uh, Christian. And um, uh, you, you know, I can send you that link. It's, it was up at uh, Reformation yeah. 21. It was published in April okay. and it's basically called why I no longer use transgender pronouns and why you yeah. shouldn't either. And yeah. so, and it, but it, it was my full explanation of why it's a sin along with being very dangerous to that person's health and well-being. So, mm-hmm. you know, you light a match and you throw it uh, in the in a sandbox, and it just kind of fizzles out. You light a match, and you you throw it in the world we have right now, and it's a wildfire. Yeah. And so right. that's why it's a wildfire. And yeah. um and and this idea that people have that I can yield the moral language to the left, use um, mm. transgender pronouns, use yeah, right. whatever else, and then somehow, some way find biblical language on the other end of that bridge. Well, that doesn't happen. You can't yeah, yield the moral right. language to the left. You need to you need to start with, you know, a good relationship. You can relate to people. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. you can connect with people without um uh, obeying their commands for how to be, you know, addressed. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you want to make sure that you are offering the gospel of hope. And this is because as Christians, we don't throw people away. 
We understand that it is it is a terrible way to live. If you actually lived believing that you hated your own genitalia, that is a terrible way to live. Um, and one of the things that we know to be true is that those who commit their life to Jesus have the power of the resurrected Jesus to go to battle with these false ideas, mm -hmm. along with the power of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to grow in progressive sanctification. And what we are promised biblically is that our sinful desires will be sufficiently subdued. They will mm -hmm. be smaller and smaller and smaller. But we also mm -hmm. know this. We do know that if you battle hard your whole life and you die in the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Jerusalem, the Lord will not be mocked. And if in the path of your journey, you did uh, mutilate your own body in the name of quote unquote gender affirmation surgery, in the new Jerusalem, you will be, you will be made whole. You will mm -hmm. be the man you were meant to be, the woman you were meant to be. The saddest people I have ever met on the planet earth are the people I meet at school board meetings who are the parents of struggling teenagers and they support castration for their 14-year-old son. They support you can you imagine having to live with that when when this yeah. house of cards comes falling down? Mm -hmm. And you know, these these squishy, soft presents, you know, yield the moral language to the left churches mm -hmm. will not be trusted by the people who will become emigres from the transgender movement. In other words, when the Lord works in the hearts of people who have already mutilated themselves and they realize that they have, they have done a terrible thing and yet their Lord is bigger even than the terrible thing they, they, they committed. Right. Do you think they're going to go to one of these crazy churches where, oh, what's your pronouns? You know, what's your pronoun today? You know, no, they need clarity. And a good example of that is Laura Perry Smaltz whose um, book, uh, From Transgender to Transform. She lived as Luke for over a decade. Wow. And when she came to Christ, she um, returned to the church of her youth. And people often said to her, well, why did you go? Why'd you do that? Why don't you go to a progressive church where you can be a bridge and da, da, da. And she said, whoa, stop. I went to the people who never lied to me. Yeah. Right. Why would I go to the liars? Yeah. And I think I think churches need to hear that message loud and clear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't do you know the the book by Jay Gresham is it Machen? Oh yeah. I yeah. Oh I did. Uh, Christianity, and, Christianity liberalism. and liberalism. Yeah, I, I think people pull it get off my shelf. Yeah, I haven't read the whole thing, but I know the premise and everything and it, and it was something that I thought about a lot a couple months back, but it, that yeah, right there. Um the, people will say, well, you know, so why do the semantics matter? Why does it matter if we're specific? Who cares? You know, we're just trying to get people to to um, to know about God's love, which which is another interesting thing that I learned the other day that uh, the none of the not a single time in the book of Acts is the word love used and it's not used in in preaching the gospel one time, which I did not know that until like a week or two ago. And now I got to think about that for yeah. like a month or two. But like the the idea that um 
that the words don't matter, that you can kind of just say whatever you want. Well, that also just upends. I mean, in that book, he talks about how we've redefined all of the words in scripture to mean things that they don't actually mean. And so people believe things about the Bible that aren't actually true, saying the same words, but meaning completely different things. And it's like, well, are these people Christians or not? You know? Right. Right. See, and that is a very good question. Now, Machen's book, it's a hundred years old this year. Yeah. And um, one of the things you need to know about Machen's book- And he was also mad at the public school, right? Oh, yeah. And he was also, (laughs) let me tell you what, he was also excommunicated. Really? For going to bat against the mainline church. And so here's the thing. The mainline church of Machen's day is the broad evangelical church of our day. The mainline church didn't believe in the supernatural realities. They didn't believe in the virgin birth. They didn't believe Mm. uh, broad evangelicalism today does not believe in sanctification. Mm-hmm. It simply doesn't believe that God changes people, which yeah, means, it, yeah. as my friend Andrew Branch pointed out in an article recently, it means that you don't believe in the resurrected Christ. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so in in the book that I wrote, I talk about why uh, side B gay Christianity, you know, whatever you want to call this group, Revoice, um, the Preston Sprinkle movement, all of that, Crew, <laughs> you know, all, I mean, like, yeah. I'm, you know, they, they are all under this. Uh, theological umbrella, and it's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not saying it's not a religion. It just isn't a religion that saves mm-hmm. you. It's yeah, okay, not that's clarifying. The gospel. So it's not Christianity, and and I'm not, glad that somebody is saying that because I no. thought I, that, but every time I try to say it, everybody gets yeah. And I have like I give you like eight points, like on these eight points, yeah. yeah. It is failing. And, you know, it. it, You have to believe that the gospel, to be born again, right? And that was the thing. Those were the words that I kept thinking of is be born again. Well, to be born again, you you are dead in your trespasses. You are dead in sin. And then you have to be born again, resurrected out of who you previously were into an entirely new creation. And while your physical body doesn't change, everything within you should or ought to. And your your desires and what you want to pursue will change and it will be sanctified through the Holy Spirit. But that isn't the message that we hear in the gospel anymore. It's, That's it's right. like you can be Jesus's friend and, and Jesus is a therapeutic kind of, right. uh, he's your therapist. Yeah. And you can just be his buddy and, and, you know, we'll see well, how And that you goes. can have grace without repentance. Yeah. You can yeah, bypass right. repentance to get to grace. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just, it's a different religion. And then when mm-hmm. I say these things, because, you know, I've been saying them for a while, books don't pop mm-hmm. out of the thin air in a two months when you've a homeschooling mother and a grandmother, and you know, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, right. When you say things like this, as I have, you'll get somebody like Greg Johnson um, in his book, Still Time to Care, say mm-hmm. 99.9%, I'm not kidding you, like, God, come on, just pick a pick a statistic that isn't so stupid. But anyway, 99.9% yeah. <laughs> of all people who say they were gay are and they've changed, aren't really they didn't really change or they never were gay and and the Christians who say this, they are my they yeah. are my spiritual siblings, but they're also spiritual abusers. Good. Yeah. And I thought to myself, so I'm listening, somebody, you know, a number of people brought this to my attention. He's like, hey, Craig Johnson thinks you're a spiritual abuser. I'm like, oh, let me see. I read it. I think, mm-hmm. well, actually, the more offensive thing that, that he said was that I'm his spiritual sibling. <laughs> see, I mean, like I can yeah. handle, like if you yeah. want to talk to me about whether I'm a spiritual abuser or not, we can define what spiritual abuse is. Yeah. 
And right. we and, and I'm probably nobody's going to get real confused after we define right. it. Maybe we'll discover we're using right. different definitions. Mm -hmm. But if we say we're all on the same theological page, then that's a problem. And I will say that this is a particular issue that the Reformed Church can mm -hmm. really help us lead the way forward because mm -hmm. yeah, this yeah. this kind of ease, this kind of self ID Christianity. Mm. It, it's really a lot like self ID gender identity, you know, like, mm. Hey, what's your gender identity today? What's your faith today? No, <laughs> being a Christian means that God, the father who made the heavens and earth has taken that heart of stone out of your heart and given you a heart of flesh. The way that Thomas Goodwin, the Puritan pictures that is that you were chained to this giant named Adam. Mm -hmm. And then upon the biblical doctrine of justification in that holy courtroom, God says, this one is mine. Mm -hmm. You are now chained to Christ. Mm -hmm. And Christ is your, uh, he is your attorney, but he's also your judge. So mm -hmm. he, yeah. he, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, you are born again. Mm-hmm. To, to be a new creature in Christ, which is your new identity. Um, the old things have passed away. Are you lobotomized? I haven't been lobotomized. Mm. I'm 61 years old. It's been a very long time since I've been a lesbian, but I will tell you that I can still wake up in the middle of the night with a panic about um, a, a sin I had not repented of yet or mm. a memory or, you know, it, you don't want to live like that. I don't want the young people who are reading my book to live like that. I want yeah. you to live in Christ, but mm. in Christ, there is victory. Is mm -hmm. it easy? No. Is it the same for everybody? No. Mm -hmm. What does change look like? That's a good question. That's a mm -hmm. really good question. Um, yeah, right. I mean, in in my case, change has meant that I, and this is interesting because I just real, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not good at math, but it did occur to me recently that I have been married to my faithful, godly husband, who is also my pastor, mm -hmm. for almost as long as I've been a Christian. Hmm. And that has been God's blessing upon me. And so what I've discovered in my, in my marriage is that I grow to love my husband more and more. And yeah. I grow to be attracted to my husband more and more. That it is a, it is, it is a mystery of the one fleshness. Um, that's what change has meant for me. I mean, I wouldn't say that, I, and why would I? Like at 61, do, you, do I want to have like, you know, attractions beyond my husband? No, who would want that? No, right, right, so, right. Um, so I would say that the Lord has perfectly equipped me um, to love my husband well and to be devoted to him and to grow, to love him more as we get older. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that's, I don't know, if that doesn't count, I'm not sure what we're all looking for. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? No. I like, I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, I have two things I want to say really quickly. I know we're a little bit over time and I, I'll conclude as quickly I'm, as I can. I'm good. Um, I mean, like you can edit good? this as you want. Oh, yeah. I'm great. Awesome. Nothing happens. Okay. Nothing happens that, you know, yeah, yeah. People just barge through the out. door. Yeah. People barge yeah, through the door. Yeah. You'll notice the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Um, there was, you know, you talked about 
uh, Preston Sprinkle. And I, and I just wanted to bring up that I think for a lot of young people who get caught up in the, in the Preston Sprinkle craze or whatever, uh, I, I tried to listen or read his book. I can't remember what it was called. It was like one of the worst things I've ever done to myself. And I, because, and I want to be clear with everybody when somebody claims to be doing theology and isn't referencing scripture and looking at things objectively, and they're talking about personal experiences that experiences that they've had with their friends and with people that they've met. That isn't theology. Right. That's I don't know what right. it's just like talking about your experiences, but that's not what theology is. And so, right. And so, in right. on in the left wing kind of evangelical circles, we've seen. I think I've seen a lot of. Uh, Every, you know, theology is the experience of the Christian rather than actually looking into the text and figuring right. out what it actually means. Right. And that's a and, big and, difference. And maybe we should, can I just grab a book of his and we can just give yeah, an example yeah. so we don't yeah, talk just, you know, carelessly. Let me yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And as far as, you know, the reading of bad books, you have to do it yeah. with friends. So I don't, I don't know if you know, but <laughs> Beckett Cook and Christopher Yuan and I are like, we're like the three musketeers. And so okay. well, when we have to read bad books, you know, yeah. we are just like, come on, hold my ankles. I'm dangling off the cliff. Okay. So I have a, I have a book club with five other guys. And yeah. so maybe we'll, we'll have yeah, to yeah, take on yeah, a bad yeah. book one of these times. Right. But, but, but we do sometimes like any, well, anyway. Okay. So- I don't look for trouble, but mm. I'm a, I'm, I'm an older woman. I teach, I have students, they students have questions. My students read books. So my students will give me books and say, Hey, mm. Dr. Butterfield, what do you think of this? You know, and Embodied. then yeah, that's what I've, I've got to read it. So anyway, let me just, let me just, and, and every single page is a violation of the third commandment, which is part of what you were probably reacting to, mm. but let's, Let's put our money where our mouth is. Okay. Let's. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, page uh, 125 um, mm. is intersex um, or transgenderism caused by the fall? Mm. Why is this even a question? Mm. Uh, where does all disease and moral transgression come from? But anyway, mm -hmm. okay, right. maybe the right. editor put it in there. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some say, that intersex conditions, and that would include like transgenderism, are caused by the fall. And Preston Sprinkle puts the fall in scare quotes. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. What's, why do we use scare quotes? If you're writing an essay and, and you put something in scare quotes, what, do you, what are you trying to indicate to me by your scare quotes? I mean, I would say it's kind of a, like a mockery in some sort of way. Or but it's kind not of like real. Like it's not real. Yeah, it's, it's not a real. It's yeah, it's just not real. Thing. Okay, so interesting. Right. The the fall. Mm. I mean, you don't yeah, have right. the gospel. Then apparently yeah. you've got to do the gospel. Okay. Yeah. Right. Others right. others think they were part of God's original pre-fall design. Who? Mm. Mm. Where in the Garden of Eden do you see yeah, sin? Right. Where in the Garden of Eden do you see anything that isn't heterosexually oriented if it came mm -hmm. to procreation? How? But, but there's no footnote, so I don't know who those others are. Maybe these are the yeah. people he talks to at the coffee shop. I don't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and let's just say the subtitle of the book is Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. So if yeah. your subtitle is what the Bible has to say, you no, might want to tell us. You would hope that there would be some Bible know. in it. <laughs> I, you would think, okay, I right. used to punt 
to the fall whenever intersex conditions came up in conversation. Why punt? Why not exposit the text? Yeah, right. But I've become a bit more cautious about doing this. Maybe it's theologically true. Maybe it's not. I wasn't in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned. And if I'm honest, I know less about the fall and its impact on humanity on humanity than I thought I did. Now, wait that's a minute here. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. That's actually called postmodern Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you want to be labeled a heretic by Rosaria Butterfield, just do something like that. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we're supposed yeah. to believe, because what it does is it says the Bible is errant. And mm -hmm. if you were in the garden in the fall, you'd actually, you would make it inerrant mm -hmm. because you well, aren't part the, of the fall. Yeah. So, so this, this is uh, on every page. And this okay. is kind of exactly uh, what they do with abortion as well. It's the whole, th I mean, it's what they do with everything. If you aren't personally connected to the thing, you can't have an opinion about the thing. So right. if you can't, if you're a man and you can't have a, a, an abortion, then you can't talk about abortion. Of course, we yeah. don't interact with every conversation. We don't interact with every topic that way, because if we did, we wouldn't be able to talk about like anything because there's abstract topics that we don't under, that we can't personally interact with. And there's philosophies that we don't personally believe in and interact with. And, and there's people that I haven't met that I've talked about you know i i I, had not, I didn't meet you until now but i certainly have talked about you before now with people and so you know should i you know so there's we do this all the time but there's these uh there's these liberal i uh what would they be called it's kind of it's liberal legalism in the sense that it is there's it's all of well these put. taboos these unspoken taboos that you can and can't talk about and it actually is a, it's an absolute form of legalism and we can't we can't talk about you know the fall because we weren't there. And it means that the word of God isn't our guide to faith and life. Yeah, it, right. It fundamentally right. means that this Bible is flawed mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. every time I get to a part that either crosses me or maybe mm -hmm. might offend my friend, if I wasn't there at the time, I can't trust it, which actually means one of the scariest things I've ever thought about since being a Christian. This Bible actually knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah, right. That this word is is supernaturally powerful. It is the word of Christ and it is meant to em equip and empower and remake you according to the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. It reads you as you are reading it. Mm -hmm. If I actually believed that I knew myself better than God's word did, I wouldn't be here on this podcast because mm -hmm. I wouldn't be a Christian because why? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. why? Like, right. why? you know, mm -hmm. my husband is a pastor. He works a lot with men from a rescue mission. Can you imagine talking to men who are, you know, five decades homeless and, and drug addicted and say, well, you know, Jesus loves you. He's not going to change you though. Mm -hmm. There's no, right. you're good. You're just going to- you're, but You're he born loves you. This way, man. Yeah, yeah right. he loves you. He loves you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it it makes no sense. The only reason mm -hmm. that we are under the delusion that that is true is because LGBTQ plus is an idol. Mm -hmm. And we have had a false relationship with this idol. We have to tear down idols. Mm -hmm. You cannot coexist with idols.
Yeah, you don't right. go up to the top of Moloch while babies are being, you know, sacrificed and say, well, let's, you know, let's open our Bibles to, you know, let's be a soft presence here at the top of Moloch. You know, there's the, a lot of nuance to that situation. You there's know, there's a lot of nuance. Right. I, you know, I would. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, because the twin, the twin moves of the Reformation were to destroy the idols and then proclaim the word of God. And so yeah, that's what we have yeah. to do today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a message to the church. Uh, and the, the kind of the last question that I had written down here was what's your, what's your practice, any practical advice for younger Christians? I'm thinking like kids in high school and college who are dealing with this stuff constantly, not just in the classroom, but they're dealing with this in, in, uh, uh, uh college ministries, parachurch organizations are dealing with in, in their churches. Um, and they're young and they're trying to figure out their faith and they're trying to figure out what they believe in. Uh, what do you say to younger Christians and maybe even more specifically younger women? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is a great question. And that's, you know, I, I teach. So these are, that's, those are my people. And one yeah, of the things right. I ask, I ask my students every class, are you being betrayed by your worldview? What is your worldview? And if your worldview is faithful, biblical Christianity, you will never be betrayed by it. Oh, you might die for it. Absolutely. You might be mocked for it. You probably will if you hang out with me too long, but you yeah will not be betrayed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so and you you might be confused by it sometimes. Like that yeah, certainly will happen. But yeah, mentors yeah. and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But so here are a couple a couple of practical things. Um I don't know personally of a campus ministry that is run by a parachurch that I mm. would support. Campus Amen. ministries that are run by churches are different depending upon the church. Yeah, yeah. But I can't, but crew, intervarsity, you know, I, I mean, maybe there's a good one out there, but the paradigm is all this mm. side B gay Christianity. So I don't know, there could be like an accidental, really faithful campus minister, but mm. how long is that going to be the case? So you need to yeah. prioritize being a member of a true faithful church. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be your base. That's your, mm -hmm. that's home base. Um, and you need to find a church where the pastor is even willing to maybe go to campus and just kind of see what's going on or read yeah, something right. that you need to read. Like, you know, it can't be a church that isn't willing to get its hands a little dirty here. But, mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and then I would say campus ministry, uh, a, a ministry of the church that is located on a campus will be, have the integrity of the church. You should trust mm -hmm. that. But these big, you know, just don't even go there. And well, one of the, oh, go ahead, sir. And be ready to be the voice crying in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the reasons why the campus ministries don't actually, they, they just don't work is because, well, one, you talk about the side B, uh, Christian, the side B gay Christianity thing, but also even I think deeper than that at a structural level, the local church is meant to be an intergenerational, uh, an intergenerational self, um, uh, what word am I looking for? Absolutely. Kind of a self sustain, uh, yeah, self sustaining yeah. intergenerational Absolutely. organism in which in which it doesn't need to it doesn't need to rely on one. What I've seen in in uh, campus ministries is that uh, there's four year turnover and we need to do gospel with marketing to get people in the door the next year well, because all of us people on staff want to keep our jobs and well, whatever. That, so that's it. That's it. So my, then, my yeah. On top of that, real quick, is that. 
it's it's on top of that there is no governance structure first second timothy and titus teaches us how to put together a church in a in a gov- in a governing way you have no elders no bishops nothing like that and then or no deacons and then and then even on top of that right there isn't the intergenerational dynamic to the church the reason why young people come to the church is to get guidance well when you have a bunch of 20 year olds trying to do christianity together you get the blind leading the blind and you go nowhere so even on its fundamental core level it is it's it's uh, anti-biblical in its structures, and so it Absolutely. can't work, and it never will work. And so people who want it to work, it doesn't matter a, how good the pastor is. And an know? anti-biblical structure can't keep the wolves out. Yeah, exa- yeah right. So right. one of the challenges we have is that Satan is very active right now mm-hmm. in trying to capture the hearts and the minds of 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 of, of you know God's people, mm-hmm. and hirelings don't make good martyrs. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. I mean, so, so you, okay. Well, we could, I feel like I have a thousand things in my head right now, but we, we could, we could close out. I, and I do want to talk, maybe, maybe we could do a podcast in the future about, uh, um, about parachurch organizations because it's something that I've wanted to talk about on this podcast. I think so many young people will say, you know, when I say I, they're unbiblical and they're wrong, they'll be like, yeah, well, I became a Christian through it. And it's like, okay, great. that doesn't mean that it's good. You know, like they, yeah. God can work out good through all things because he's God. It doesn't mean that the thing that he worked the good out through is inherently good. And he if, works out good through evil people like us all the time. Absolutely. So, and if these parachurch ministries would wake up and know what time it is, yeah, right. They might be f- quite effective. I know, right? They're, or they're, ally with a church. They're positioned in a really, um, in a very useful way. Yeah. yeah. But if, uh, but as long as they deny what time we are actually in, uh, and and as long as they continue to promote the false idea that you can be a, a soft presence in a hostile wor- uh, world without carrying water for the other team. Yeah, then right. it's just, it's just a mess. So that's, yeah. um, but that is a very, you know what, that's not a, that's not like a unique perspective to probably to me or to you. This is a very standard no. reformed understanding that, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus, uh, the bride of Christ is the church. That yeah. is the last institution that will be standing and a uh, parachurch ministry, uh, you know, like the, like the books I write and other things, those are just going to be burned up. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that, 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 those are not going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So may and they do good sad- on this earth, but right. And I think sadly they'll oftentimes be remembered for what they got in the way of, rather than yeah. what they helped with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, we're an hour and ten minutes into this. I, <laughs> exactly. I just want to keep going, but I know we can't. I mean, my wife and I actually just bought a house, Yay. and so we're we have to go walk through this house in Great. like an hour and okay. do a bunch of crazy fun stuff with that. That's um, awesome. Rosaria, thanks for doing this interview. I appreciate it. This was really fun. And your book, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, I think people should just go buy it and read it. I think it'll be really helpful, Um, especially young people who are kind of confused about what the heck is going on in the world and in the church right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can buy it basically anywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, well, it's on Amazon until Amazon gets to that part in the fourth section where I say transgenderism is satanic and then it won't be on Amazon anymore. But, you know, Reformation Heritage, Crossway, uh, Banner, you know. Amazon 
I doubt that they're reading. Okay. I, 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 I question their reading comprehension, you know, but uh, I don't know if you know, do you know that Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire, how he made that kid's book. There was like an LGBTQ, like anti-LGBTQ kid's book. And it was the number one LGBTQ kid's book in the world on Amazon. And it was, awesome. it was so funny. So that's great. Uh, I'm not sure they're, they're organized right. there. But, right. Okay. Um, well then it is, it is currently on Amazon. On yes. Amazon. Yeah. I'll put a link in the description. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. And if you're listening and you like this podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends, leave us a five-star rating, um, and leave us a review. We'll see you guys in the next one.